Good morning and welcome. We are out camping at Camp Armatton and we uh, came in early this morning and we are so glad to be here with you. Like Pastor Brian was saying, I welcome you to come out. It's our first year and we are enjoying it. Campfires last night and kids running around and it just, it felt the most normal I felt in a long time. I invite you to come out. I need to just calm my nerves, so we're going to pray one more time. <laughs> Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are God who sees. You are God who sees every woman, every man, every child, and you see this pastor standing here with a little bit of nerves. And Lord, I just pray that I would be your conduit, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me to the words that this congregation needs to hear today. Thank you, Lord, so much for your peace. Thank you that you love us and see us. In your name, amen. My name is Pastor Tammy Hyde-Mosier, and I am the pastor to families with kids at this church, and I see we've got some kids over here. One of my absolute favorite places on earth is Slave Lake, Alberta. Have any of you been there? Got a couple people? It is an incredible lake. It is 80 kilometers long. There are miles of deep white sand that just, oh, they're so deep, it's so beautiful. But there's also shores that are craggy and that have lots of rocks. There's wildlife everywhere. Eagles, um, moose, cougar, bear, everything you can imagine. And you can see those in one night of walking or driving your car. <laughs> it is everywhere. Um, my children and I, we spent many, many hours at this lake. With the big, big Alberta skies above us, you know how the clouds kind of stack on top of each other and the, the waves crash almost like the ocean because it's loud and you can just feel the power of God so present. Oh, the sun, the water, it was just an amazing place. It did not matter if it was spring, summer, or autumn, winter, they closed the place, but this is where we played, we laughed, we cried, we grieved, we prayed, and we healed. The children would run free, and I would stand there before my God, and I would just sob, and I would talk. Sometimes I would scream into the waves, and I was present with God. This one day I was walking there alone, and as I was walking down to the beach, I saw this little, about that big, little tiny black Something. I didn't know what it was, and I bent over, and I picked it up, and it was this tiny little tag, and it had one word on it, and that word was unbreakable. Now, at that time, I felt very broken. I definitely did not feel unbreakable, and I have, oh, you know how you go, what does this mean, Holy Spirit? I know that you've put this here for me, but what does it mean? What does it mean for my life? And through the years, I have realized it means different things. But the one thing it means more than anything is that his love for me, his bond with me, is unbreakable. He loves us. It was here in this wind and sand that he began a very good work in my heart, and he used the same elements that he used to speak to my heart. He used those same elements, the water, the wind, the rocks, the sand, in his story to his disciples, and to the people that had gathered together. 
Now, I know a lot of you grew up singing a song about this verse in the Bible, about how the wise men, well, Brian and the rest of the praise team are going to come up and sing that song with you guys. Okay. So, Tammy, are you going to do the actions as well? Okay. And Carolyn is here as well. She's going to do the actions. And uh, we have some kids over to my right. So, this is a kid's song. We're going to do it a cappella. I guess, you know, you're going to get a chance to sit for the remainder of Tammy's message. So, why don't you stand? Sure. Okay, everybody at home, you got to stand up. Okay. Um, so this is a song. I'm hoping I pick the right key here. Uh, da, da. This is called The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. There's three verses. There's some actions. So some of you, if you know different actions, feel free. No one's going to judge you if you do different actions. But watch this lady here. Um, well, maybe you shouldn't on the third verse because she's not sure about the third verse. Okay. All right. Oh, by the way, this is Ivan. This is Carolyn, and this is one of Tammy's children. This is her daughter. We call her Rosie. It's Ariana. Oh, Anya Rose, but it's, we call her Rosie for obvious reasons. Okay, let's try it. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. But the house on the rock stood firm. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sun fell flat. So, so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the blessings will come down. The blessings come down your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. The blessings come down as your prayers go up. So build your life on the Lord. Da, da, da. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you guys for singing that with us. Thank you for the actions. We're not too, you know, together on these actions, but uh, Jesus sees us praising anyway, and he loves that. Today we're going to center ourselves in Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Let's read that together, and I'm just going to read it from my Bible. Matthew 7, 24, 27, I'm reading from um, the Standard Version. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. Yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And its collapse was great. These verses are placed at the conclusion of one of the most famous, or the most famous sermon in the entire Bible. We often call that the Sermon on the Mount. And within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus instructs believers. Of course, he gathers his most loved beloved around him, and then he just keeps speaking, and people keep coming. And he shares with us how to pray. He shares with us the Beatitudes, or or what I like to call a full description of a servant's heart. He shares wisdom for living a victorious Christian life. He shares his heart for us. It's like when a parent gathers their child to them and shares with them, and in their heart is this, I have so much love to share with you. I have so much I want to teach you. I have so much I want you to learn and to know. And especially when they get to be teenagers, you have that thought, I'm running out of time. You aren't. You'll still be their parent for many years. But those are the feelings sometimes us parents have of teens. Oh, but... He is with us. I am sure that many of you who have been parents can relate to what I've just said. You want for your children so much. And when it comes right down to it, honestly, I do not care if my children have a boat or a big house or if they are wildly successful in their careers. What really matters to me is that each and every one of my children has their salvation. I want to see each and every one of them in heaven, and I know you as parents want the same thing for your kids and for yourself. As we read Matthew 7, 24 24 to 27 together, I want you to notice that in both scenarios, the rain fell. The floods rose, and in both scenarios, it pounded the house. You will be tested in this life. The rain will come, and the wind will blow, and your life will be pounded. Um, You see, this house in this text, what it describes is you. It describes you as your person. It is your life and how you choose to interact with it. And that... When you choose how you interact with your life, it changes everything. When we just let life happen to us, or when we choose how we interact with it. When sickness and loss and disappointment comes into our life, when who and what we have depended on no longer exist, when bills pile up, when diagnoses come that take you to your knees, When the house forecloses, when your child tells you something earth-shattering. Here is what we build our lives upon. Our very person becomes glaringly obvious. Have you built your foundation on the life, on Jesus' word, or is it just a surface-level commitment? That you do some outward things and attempts to look good. When we say... At least those aren't my sins. 
rather than seeing how needy, broken, and lost we all still are. Some of us in little areas, some of us in glaringly large. There, in that place, we do not see the grace that we truly still need in our life. And we become lukewarm and content. We feel we are good and that we have arrived and we are this picture of Christianity and we know all the Bible verses and we go to church and we are good. But what if you have built your life still on sand? The storms come and rattle the windows in every one of our lives. Every one of us have known heartache and pain at some point in our lives. Some of us we still feel our past heavy on us on a daily basis. I'm so sorry that you have to walk that road. The hurt that was done to us, the places we still feel so much pain. Addictions. I'm so sorry that you're walking that road. Pride, lust, unforgiveness, bitterness, the weight can be so heavy on our lives still. It seems so heavy to bear. And then there are days when even we as committed believers in Jesus Christ feel the spiritual attack of demonic forces that brings our past back into our face and accuses us and lies to us, deceives us, and tempts us to adopt the truths into our life that are not true, that we do not believe, but he still tempts us to believe that we are still accused, that we are still guilty, but we know that's not true. You see, he's a sneaky one. And so no matter who you are, you will have troubles in this life. There isn't a human being alive who isn't acquainted with trouble, and times of difficulty arrive unexpectedly, they often remain indefinitely, and the sorrowful memories that they produce take deep root in our mind. But it's no wonder why Jesus proclaims in John 16, 33, what he proclaims there also takes a deep root in the heart of every Christian. You see, what it says here is it says, in this world you will have troubles, no question, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Hold that little nugget of truth, and we'll come back to it in a few seconds. Here in Matthew is where God himself also shares what it looks like to belong to his kingdom, his followers, his disciples. And when we look at that mission statement for First Church, what does it say? It says, is it up on the board yet? It says, our mission is to make Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and a passion for people. That is what being here, being a part of this congregation, you are standing up and saying, I choose to live my life in this way. You see, this wasn't just formed by a group of people getting together and going, yes, this sounds good. People are going to want to come to our church if we have a mission statement like this. No, this came from the Holy Spirit speaking to hearts. This came from a lifetime of experience of who this church is and who we are growing to be. This mission statement that we have for our church to make Christ-like disciples with a heart for God and a passion for people, it was grounded in the things that God and Jesus says right in these chapters here that we are reading. 
The message of Jesus is not just for new believers. It is not for those people. The message of Jesus is for you, directly for you. You sitting in this service or you listening at home, Jesus is speaking directly to the heart of every believer. And here in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, we have, says that we have two choices, only two choices of how we will choose to live our life. We can make it a wise decision to build our lives upon the solid rock who is Jesus Christ. Or we can choose to build our life on shifting sand. But how do we know? How do we know if we are building on the rock or we are building on shifting sand? When that trouble comes into your life, trust me, you will know. You know, <laughs> I think we can all testify to something in that life. We know when our life comes into that microscope clarity when we're going through trials and we see who we truly are. We see where we are strong. We see where we are weak and we see where God is still working on every one of us and where we stand in victory. And when we stand in victory, when we stand in victory in a place that God has healed, in a place that God has walked us through, and he has been victorious in our life, when we stand in that victory, we stand in Christ's authority, and we can go out and we can witness to other people, and we can help heal them in those same places that we used to be in bondage ourselves. Oh, I believe that so strongly. And that is one of the reasons why I want to grow and I want to have that life with Jesus Christ. When you find yourself in a situation where you feel that maybe your life is on shifting sand, that just maybe that's where you are, I encourage you to fall to your knees in prayer. Just fall to your knees in prayer in that very moment and humble yourself before God worship him and place yourself under his lordship and his authority and under the authority of God's word that's what he's talking about here he's talking about his word he's talking about the words that he is speaking to the people in the in the chapters just before this chapters 5 to 7 oh ask God to open your eyes and to see him in the midst of this trial because sometimes when we are in the midst of it, it is so hard to see God in it. Over 13 years ago now, my husband, my kid's daddy, was in a fatal vehicle accident. Our kids were so small. This is them when they were small. The one on my right in the picture is Rosie, who's saying here in praise team. And the little one crouching down is Noah. He was here two seconds ago. <laughs> you will see him. And then standing beside me is Nathaniel, my son Nicholas, who lives in Montreal. And the other little girl in a pink puffy jacket is Arianna. Those are my kids. And 13 years ago, our life was rocked. Uh, it was unfathomable that he was gone. And without God... Without God, there is no way that we could have made it through that time in our life. There's no way. I really do not know how people go through trauma in their life without God. 
One night, I was driving to the grocery store just to pick up some snacks. We were at a friend's house, and we were going to watch movies, and she was one of those people that the Holy Spirit sent into our life to just love on us during this time. But I remember that she was watching the kids. I was driving by myself. It was one of those beautiful Alberta nights where the snow is deep and the moon is huge, and you can just see all around you. And I remember hearing God ask me, he said, do you still trust me? And this had rocked me to my core. And it's like you think, oh, God, do I still trust you? The thing that I feared the most has happened. Do I still trust you? And do you know what I said to God? I said, I want to. I want to. I want to trust you, but right now I feel so broken. I feel so small and alone and incapable of raising five kids on my own. And do you know what God did? He loved me. He did not forsake me. He stayed right there with me. God can handle when we're angry. God can handle when we're disappointed. When we've got to take a breath to go, I'm working on trusting you. I'll get there. I could talk for hours about all of the little and big ways that God was there for us during this time. I'll tell you a couple. There was this one woman, and I swear that she had the Holy Spirit's ear, because every time I was completely done, she would show up on my doorstep. And she'd be like, hello, can I fold your socks? Have you had a nap? When was the last time you ate a full meal? Would you like to go to the store? And she would just lovingly push and lovingly love my kids. She would give them a bath. She would read them stories. And we had many people like this in our life who loved on us and were there for us. And I fully believe that this was God with skin on, loving our family. Mm. The ways that he became husband and father in our family was incredible. My kids called him Daddy God. And when I learned to lean into God as the husband of my home, I regained that authority in my home. I was squishy, lovey mom. Dad was the heavyweight in our home. My kids kind of laughed. They thought, mommy's telling me what to do. But now, trust me, they call me mama bear. <laughs> they know that I bear the weight of God in my life and that when I talk with them, and I ask them to do something, it is because I have their best interest at heart. Now let's center ourselves back on this text, though. And I want to draw your attention to the first line in the text. Can anybody remember or tell me what the very first word, very first word in this entire text is? Therefore. So when you are reading the Bible and you come across this word, therefore, what is it asking you to do? What it's asking you to do is to go, why? Why is there a therefore here? Why is God choosing to use the word therefore? Therefore is used in scripture to give us a clue to understanding more fully what God has for us. And right here in his word, it is telling us to look back a few verses, or in this case, a few chapters back to the beginning of chapter five. I encourage you to sit down with this portion of scripture. Pray that God and the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see what he has for you personally there. Sit down with it. Pour over it. Just read it and see what God has for you there. 
Do you see, when therefore is written in the Bible, what it means is on the basis of all that he has just taught or illustrated. And that's what this Sermon on the Mount is. This portion of scripture is where he is kind of just winding up his sermon in the most beautiful way possible. He is just kind of coming to that conclusion and saying, you've got two choices. So looking back in Matthew at the Sermon on the Mount, he speaks about forgiveness and loving our enemies, about how to give, how to pray, how to view our possessions. And he further talks about a cure for anxiety, judging others, asking, seeking, knocking, that persistence, and being a part of his kingdom. And then in Jesus' conclusion, he tells us to ensure that all of this is built on a firm foundation. My current husband, I remarried eight years ago, two more days till our anniversary. We have no idea what we're doing. We're at camp. We might have a campfire. Um, It'll be our anniversary this year. But um, my current husband is a builder. And a few years ago, he worked on this house that had some foundational problems. And in the basement, there was this one timber in the middle of the basement, and it had a bunch of other timbers holding it up. And at the top of this timber were more, you know, shoved in there. That doesn't sound very good, does it? On the main floor, you could put a ball in the center of the room, and it was, it was your best get whichever way that that ball was going to roll. And if you went up to the second floor, oh, it was a nightmare to even try to think about hanging drywall. You see, this house was wonky. It had wonky walls, it had wonky floors. Yes, this is a real professional word, <laughs> wonky, but it did. It was a wonky house, and it was slowly shifting. It had everything you could imagine to try to brace it up and make it look cute and wonderful, but the truth was that down in the basement, it was still wonky. And so it is with our lives as well. When you look down deep into your soul, into your heart, and you see the stuff that you're truly made of, is it solid or is it wonky? Do you hear what I'm saying here? Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He is clearly teaching us that we need not just read his words. We need to not only hear what he has to say, we need to take his words, his teachings to heart, and to respond to them in trust. To trust that what Jesus is teaching is the truth. And that this truth that you can build your life upon is solid, obedient, and humble, beautiful life. Committed wholly to God as your Savior. I am 100% committed to the belief of salvation by grace. But this isn't what this is talking about. What this is talking about is what are we going to do with this time of life that we have here on this earth? What are we going to do while we are here? While we are here, let's build on the rock who is Jesus Christ. Be the ones who listen to what he says and do what he says. Maybe today you're recognizing that your life, that your faith is not fully built on the rock and maybe it's feeling a little wonky. I encourage you to come before God and to humbly ask him to reveal to you what foundation you are building on. You can trust him to show you what needs 
to be done away with, what needs to be gone and replaced with him. Confess this to him. Repent any way you have sinned against God and turn away from that thing, turn away from that pain, and I know it's hard. Turn away from that trauma, that incredibly difficult thing going on in your life, or even that place of sin that still has you by the throat. And no, I'm not suggesting that this is simple or easy. I'm not suggesting that I'm not suggesting that the trauma that happened to your life is invalid and that it wasn't sad. But what I am saying is that Jesus is still the rock in your life and he is there for you. Oh. In fact, standing on that rock, it may make, take some hard choices. It may take things like counseling, medication, declaring bankruptcy and fixing your credit. It may include hospital time, maybe even jail time. It may take years to heal from the trauma and pain, and it may be embarrassing and ugly. But doing that, going through the hard places, being willing to step into the hard places because you know whose hand you're holding. He will go with you no matter where you are. There's this one verse in the Bible that has held cl close to me, and I'm sorry I don't remember the text, but it says, even if you choose to make your bed in the very depths of hell, even there I will be with you. He is with you no matter what you're walking through. If you're walking through a field of daisies, awesome. Might want to check for the sand. But if you are walking through one of the hardest times in your life, please know that God is for you. He is with you. He will always be there for you. I wrote these texts down, and I don't have my screen up here, so I can't tell you what they are right now. <laughs> but I think it will come up, and you guys can see it in a moment. Um, but he will always be with you. He is that rock in your life, and you can count on him to always, no matter what, be with you. Remember that verse that I asked you to tuck away a while back? Let's pull it out again. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He knew that because of sin in this world that we would definitely face trouble, sickness, loss, trauma, sin, and whatever Satan else could throw in our face. Ah, oh, yes. He will, but take heart. Because Jesus Christ, the only perfect Lamb of God, overcame the shame of darkness and of sin Oh, because he loves you. He overcame this world so that we can stand on this rock and loudly proclaim, Jesus is my Lord. Thank you. I just want to pray for you guys. I just want to pray for you for one second. Our Heavenly Father, some of the words that I've said today are hard to take because they go right to our heart. And I know, Lord, that even in my own heart, there are places where I'm just sad still but I know that you are healing those places. And I know that in every person's heart in this room, Lord Jesus, that you are working on their heart. And as they are willing, and as they open up those places in their heart, Lord Jesus, I just pray that they would feel your presence, that they would start to know just how deeply they can trust you with their vulnerability and who they are. Lord Jesus, I pray that as a congregation, that we would grow in our vulnerability 
that we would grow in our vulnerability with God and with each other, that this would be a safe place where we could be real, we could be honest, and this would be a place of healing and of growth. Lord Jesus, I just pray a blessing on the church of God at First Nas. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would continue to just pour your blessings out on every person here. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to share your word. In Jesus' name, amen.